Welcome. This sermon podcast is a production of Refresh Community Church, where Dr. Carlos Smith is our lead pastor. Our vision is to see our hearts refreshed by Christ's presence, our relationships renewed for Christ's purpose, our lives rebuilt by Christ's power, and our communities restored by Christ's people. We pray that you are blessed by today's message, and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Is he mighty? Amen, amen. God is good. Well, I want to take a moment and welcome each and every one of you to Refresh Community Church. My name is Pastor Carlos Smith. I am the lead pastor of this beautiful church. And here at Refresh, our vision is to see our hearts refreshed, renewed, rebuilt, and restored through the power and presence of Jesus. And I'm so glad uh, that you have chosen to worship with us. And you may be sitting around like, why is he coming up a little early? We only two songs in. But if y'all haven't figured out by my Wakanda Forever outfit, I'm up here for a purpose. I grew locks for this purpose, and that's to celebrate Black History Month. Can we give it up for Black History Month? Now, I want to take a moment and just talk about as we kick off this first Sunday in February, um, some of y'all may be like, why why are we celebrating Black History Month in the church? Is it uh, just because we have a black pastor and now we have to do that? That's just kind of what comes with territory and exactly what it is. I don't know what else to tell you. (laughs) Y'all want a black pastor. (laughs) That's partially true. But anyway, um, but no, like why why do we celebrate Black History Month? Especially uh, people may ask over against other months and now there's a month for all sorts of things and why Black History Month? Why do we choose uh, to commemorate and celebrate this time? And it's because, if, if I'm honest, there are multiple reasons, but one of those reasons is because in the history of our nation, the original stain of this country is that rooted in racist practices and dehumanizing practices against African peoples and people of color. Amen? That, that is just, that's just what it is. And so uh, we actually just want to put our finger where the pain really is. That's, we want to say like, hey, this has been something uh, that has stained our country and has stained life in this country. But we also want to show the redemption of Jesus even in that. Amen? Amen. And so here's the truth. Not only in celebrating Black History Month and the contributions um, of black people, not only do we bring liberation to African Americans who have historically been disenfranchised and oppressed in this country, but y'all may not know it or not, we also bring liberation to our white brothers and sisters as well. Because not only was African Americans uh, robbed of opportunities and and things of that nature in the history of the country, also the church as a whole and our white brothers and sisters were actually robbed of fellowship, the contributions, and the gifts of those in the African-American community. Amen? So we believe. Amen. And so we believe it is time to commemorate this so that we all, as the multi-ethnic, redeemed, and reconciled people of God, to celebrate the contributions of our African-American brothers and sisters as we thank God for the contributions of all people that are made in his image to his kingdom. Amen? Amen. And so uh, this this year was a layup. The theme for uh, Black uh, History Month uh, this year was African-Americans in the arts. And so we was like, oh. That's, that's, that's a layup right there. Um, and so we wanted to particularly look at African-Americans in music and gospel music. And so where else could we start than with the queen of gospel music herself, Sister Mahalia Jackson? Where else could we start than Sister Mahalia? Um, so let me get, tell you something about Sister Mahalia. Um, Sister Mahalia Jackson was born in New Orleans, Louisiana on October 26, 1911. 
Music had always been a part of her life, and singing gospel music was second nature. She grew up singing in Mount Moriah Baptist Church in 1927. Um, she moved to Chicago, where she joined Greater Salem Missionary Baptist Church. And two years later, she met Mr. Thomas Dorsey, um, a well-known gospel composer and the father of gospel music. In his hit song, Precious Lord, Take My Hand, was written after the death of his wife and child, and this became her signature song. Um, Jackson's voice became synonymous with the civil rights movement, and her prophetic influence was undeniable. At the March on Washington, she urged Dr. King to tell the people his dream, and he would go on to prophetically declare his I Have a Dream speech in front of 250,000 people. Other notable moments from Sister Mahalia um, was that she sang at John F. Kennedy's inaugural ball. She was the first gospel artist to sing at Car Carnegie Hall. Uh, her song, Move Up On A Little Higher, sold 8 million copies. And she created a scholarship for young people who could not afford to go to co college. While her accolades are commendable, her, relationships and her relationship and devotion to Christ is the most beautiful. She went on to be with the Lord in 1972, and early on, Sister Mahalia vowed that she would not sing the blues or secular music because she believed that she was called to sing gospel music exclusively. It is no wonder that she will forever be hailed as the queen of gospel music. Can we give God a praise for our sister Mahalia Jackson? And so, so often, um, gospel music or Black History Month can also often feel like, okay, cool facts, trivia, um, but we didn't want that. We wanted us to be immersed and experience the beauty and the contributions of African Americans and their gifts to the church. And so, uh, while Sister Mahalia is with the Lord, um, we have another sister, Sister Marquita Goins, um, who's going to lead us in a rendition of Precious Lord, Take My Hand, in tribute to Sister Jackson and in praise unto the Lord. So let's sing together. Precious Lord, take my to the 
song we're going to sing next is very simple. It just says, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you I love you more than anything. It's a song straight to the Lord. Just sing from our hearts this morning, despite what we might be feeling and what we're going through, or even the doubt in our minds that says, you know what, you know, you don't love Jesus more than anything. But as we sing that and as we stir our hearts, we pray that those words will become true. Yes, Lord. They will become real. They will become so uh, important to us. So let's sing this this morning. And I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Come on, let's sing that with one voice. And I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you. Just want to tell you. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you more than anything. Come on, let's stay right there. Say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship and I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you. Just want to tell you. Lord, I love you. Just want to tell you. Just want to tell you. 
just want to tell Time say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you, Lord, I love you more than anything. Lord, we love you this morning because you first loved us. Lord, you loved us so much that you would come down and live amongst us and give your life so that we would have life in you. And so this morning we worship you and we adore you because you are worthy of our praise. So Lord, I pray God that you would meet with us today as we hear from you. Lord, speak through the word. Lord, I pray that it would bring revelation, that it would bring transformation to our lives, that it would draw us closer to you. God, that we would have more strength, Lord, to continue to walk this walk of faith. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Say amen. 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 Greetings. It is I, your boy, Pastor Joseph Bubenick. I don't know why they had me up here the first week of uh, Black History Month, but I'm here to do announcements. Uh, I actually showed up in the exact same outfit as Pastor Carlos, but he said I had to change. So uh, I guess that's for the good of everybody. Um, We are about to take offering. So I'm going to go ahead and pray for that real quick. Lord, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your generosity. We pray that you would be with the leaders of this church as we make decisions about how we spend your funds. I pray that you would give us wisdom. pray that you would give us direction. I pray that uh, families would be cared for and that people would be able to hear about who you are and what you've done for them. Thank you for your generosity. Bless us as we, as we are generous to your church. In your name, amen. All right, we are, of course, going to be passing baskets. You can give on the app, which is my favorite method. You can also text or uh, mail your give me in. All right, so as usual, our announcements are based on the plant, root, grow, and multiply categories. First is plant. Today, if you are new to Refresh, or maybe you've been here a while, but you haven't really gotten involved, we have got an opportunity for you today. We are holding what we call the intro. So that's going to be in the chapel, which is just right past the bathrooms uh, out in the lobby here. And that is a 15 to 20 minutes where you can get to meet some of the leaders of the church, learn more about what we're doing here, ask any questions you have, uh, just get to know some people. So if you are wanting to learn more about our church, That is a great way for you to do that. So again, that's something we call the intro, and that's right through uh, these doors here and straight past the bathrooms in the chapel, directly after service. All right. Second is our root category. Root is about rooting in relationship to Christ and to those around you. Uh, For root this week, we have a group that we would like to highlight uh, and an upcoming opportunity. The group is called the Minister's Fellowship. This is for past, current, 
and aspiring ministers of the gospel. Uh, and coming up, this group will be having one of its quarterly fellowship breakfasts on uh, February 17th at 9 a.m. Uh, anyone who resonates with the description of that group is welcome to join. Uh, that's male or female. We're not talking about specifically pastors. We're talking about anybody who has ministered, who wants to minister to the gospel in some way. Uh, we want you, if that's you, we want you to join the group on the app. And then we also, very importantly, want you to sign up so we have enough food for that. All right. I am going to do a little uh, a switch on you guys. I'm going to skip grow for a minute. We're going to go right to multiply. So for multiply, we have two things. First, as uh, many of you know, uh, we have two new elders among us, Pastor Bryce Vanderay and Pastor Tony Bell. Um, that's right. That's right. Um, next week's regular service is going to be especially exciting. One, I am going to be there. But then two, we're also going to publicly install uh, our new elders and celebrate them. Um, Oh, yeah, we got good pictures of them, too. Man, all right. Uh, what I do want to remind everybody is do not call Pastor Tony Bell Tiny Bell. It really gets on his nerves, so don't do that. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Um, what I did want to kind of highlight is that becoming an elder is not just something we do because, man, that guy's really cool. We're going to pick him. Or, man, he's like almost 100, so, you know, he's elderly, so we're going to pick That's not what we're talking about here. Uh, eldership in the Bible um, has a lot to it. And so we wanted to uh, highlight what that is real quick. So I'd like to read a couple passages from the Bible, if that's all right, to read the Bible in church. This is 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, that's another word for pastor or elder, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? And then one more verse from Hebrews, this is chapter 13, verse 7. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Uh, that's one of those things with eldership. Yes, it's a great calling, and if the Lord has placed that upon you, you should follow that. But it also comes with the fact that uh, we are going to be held responsible for the people that we shepherd. Um, so we want to honor and pay tribute to uh, Pastor Tony and Pastor uh, Bryce, as they have gone through a very long process, uh, which was actually postponed because of the dissolution of the journey uh, and the you know kind of formation of refresh. So um, those guys were, were months into the process, had to put on a hold for almost a year, and they both really worked on themselves and processed through a lot of things, and then came back. Um, and we just want to, again, honor them and, and uh, pay them some respect for that. So that'll be uh, our service, or part of our service next week. All right, and then also for Multiply, we wanted to say that you guys did a fantastic job of generosity. We have been doing a coat drive for U-City High School, and we were able to donate 125 coats to the high school there. <laughs> 
not only did you guys give a lot of actual coats, you saw them in the, t the bins out there, but we also received $1,100 uh, to go towards buying coats. So we were able to buy coats also for some of the elementary schools and middle schools as well. So we just wanted to thank you for your generosity. That is really changing people's lives. We're providing for needs there. So very wonderful. All right. Finally, it's Wednesday coming up soon. Anybody know what that means? Grow night is starting. That's right. So to get you guys hyped, I've got a little short video I'm going to have you see. If you want to be in next semester's video like that, you got to come to Grow Night, all right? So please, what would really be helpful to us is if you would sign up on the app so we know who's going to be here, make sure we have enough room in all our classes, and the number one, most important, we need to know who's coming so we have enough food. You can see that this is important to me, that we have enough food. Please register. Um, and with that, we are going to release Refresh Kids. And go ahead and stand up and greet somebody you don't know. Say hi. Get to know them.
church but I haven't uh, been in the pulpit for the last three weeks but one of the things I love about Refresh Community Church is that um, just because I'm not preaching does not mean that the word does not go forth. Um, did y'all enjoy that Relentless series that was presented by our pastors here? Amen. So grateful. I kicked off the series with a word on prayer from Hebrews 11, um, and then Pastor Bryce did a phenomenal job preaching on the importance of the word, uh, along with our dear sister Vera Schmidt, who um, oversees Dwell. Uh, and then we had a great word from Pastor Jonathan telling us to not eat. Uh, <laughs> it was some people, when they saw the discernment was on fasting, people was like, 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 fasting. But no, he didn't tell us just not to eat, but told us how to draw closer to Christ, not only uh, through fasting, abstaining from food, but uh, through social media and things like that, and just what it means to have a heart um, that's hungry for the Lord. And then last Sunday, um, the, the chief Levite of uh, Refreshed Community Church, the, the, the minstrel himself, the reverend, the reverend, uh, Mark Goins, did he not preach in this house last Sunday? I, I, was, uh, I was preaching out somewhere else, and I, I snuck in at, at the uh, kind of midways through the 11. I said, oh, he finna go in. I can tell. Like, y'all thought he'd just be up there like, yeah. I'm like, no, sir. Like, Mark came to preach. He did not come to play. Um, but I'm so grateful uh, that we were able to walk through the spiritual disciplines in a compelling way. You know, when me and the preaching team was talking about walking through this series, what we did not want was just kind of like to just be drawn and on and on, like, pray, read your Bible. Like, we wanted to compel people to pursue Jesus um, through the spiritual disciplines. And I'm so grateful. Uh, to all of those who handle the word here at Refresh. And so, um, as we come out the series, um, we, we are glad that you heard and you enjoyed the series, but we also uh, wanted there to be a continuation, um, and we want to connect it to the life of our church. And you may um, or may not be aware that February 14th um, is, what's happening for February 14th? What's that? Singles Awareness Day. That's right. Uh, <laughs> Singles Awareness Day. Oh, yeah, Valentine's Day on February 14th. Singles Awareness Day for some. Um, but also, it is Ash Wednesday. Um, so a lot of things going on on February the 14th. Uh, and uh, so on that day, we're actually going to have a service here at our church. Um, it's a short service, 7 to, to 7.30. Um, and if you don't come from a tradition that practices Ash Wednesday or observes the Lenten season, this is one of those things that when I came here to what is now Refreshed Community Church, I kind of inherited, um, even though I didn't come from a tradition where this was normative. Uh, but it's a beautiful tradition that I've embraced wholeheartedly. Um, and what it is, you know, when I first moved to St. Louis, which is a heavily Catholic area, you know, I came and I was just like, you know, bro, these folks in St. Louis just don't be washing their forehead. Why are everybody's forehead so dirty? What is uh, going on? People getting ash on their foreheads. Uh, what is happening here? Um, but the Lenten series, uh, um, season is similar to Advent in the sense that it's a season of preparation. Just like with Advent, 
We're starting the last Sunday in, in November all the way to Christmas. You're preparing your heart for the coming of Jesus. Uh, the Lenten season fo uh, functions very much in the same way where you're preparing your heart uh, to experience the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So you're going to the Lord in a state of penance. So those ashes on the forehead, um, literally, you're going to come down to me and I'm going to say some, some, speak some positive affirmations over you. And these positive affirmations go as such from dirt you have come to dust you shall return. Such a positive affirmation from the words of scripture. Um, but it reminds us uh, that we stand as those who are finite before the Lord. And it's not to, you know, um, just to have a bunch of self-deprecation, but it's to remind us um, of what Christ has done for us, even though we are so unworthy. So it's a beautiful service, beautiful time of the year. But what does this have to do with the Relentless series? I'm going to put a slide up here and show you. Um, during this series, you heard about the importance of prayer, the word, fasting, and worship. And it's customary during this season of Lent uh, to normally give up something through fasting. And so um, not only did we want to give options of things that you can quote unquote give up, and it's not just about giving up, it's about replacing to pursue after Jesus. We also want to give you some things during the season that you could put potentially put into practice that maybe you're not. So um, we want to invite the entire church during this season of Lent, um, starting on Ash Wednesday, which is next Wednesday, um, if prayer is an area where you find yourself um, to be challenged, spend 15 minutes per day in prayer during the 40 days of Lent. Uh, 15 minutes may not sound like a lot, but we're going to see a, uh, 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 a text on prayer today where it doesn't take much. You know, um, and for those of us who struggle in the area of prayer, sometimes we struggle because we think if I don't pray for an hour, I ain't prayed. Just spend 15 minutes, okay? Um, so, and I only want you to pick one of these. Uh, so, prayer for 40 days, 15 minutes a day, or the word, memorizing one scripture a week. We already gave you a great tool that you can use towards this in, in the form of dwell. Um, and then another option, traditionally, people often fast. We want to encourage you to commit to a partial fast for the Lenten season, um, giving up meats and or sugar, which many of us, especially the sugar thing, some of us really need to chill. Uh, so give, give up, giving up meats and or sugar, or if a food fast is not healthy for you or uh, for whatever reason, to, to take a break from social media, which some of us really need to do um, because it's causing us to hate our life, uh, but to fast um, and to push back. And again, it's not just about taking something away, but to fill that time with more Jesus. And lastly, uh, Pastor Mark preached on this last week and led us in a wonderful worship night um, this Wednesday uh, to commit to regular attendance at Sunday morning worship. Now, I know y'all sitting here right now, but you know, I ain't trying to make nobody feel bad, but some of us, you know, Coming every Sunday is a challenge. Um, so if that's you, I want to encourage uh, regular attendance at Sunday morning worship and or if Sunday is fine for you, regular attendance at Grow Night. So during this season, I want to invite us uh, to find ways to connect with the Lord anew. And then part of that, I also want to encourage us, uh, we have this great tool called the Church Center app. Uh, a few months ago, there was a group that was uh, led by, by Dr. Joy who just, the Lord had moved them to fast. And so they she kind of sent a message out and a group kind of got started uh, where they decided, hey, we're just going to fast during the season. And so the Church Center app is a great way if you're choosing like, hey, during the season, I want to focus on prayer and I want to find some other people that are uh, focusing on prayer and we want to connect and be accountable. I encourage you, reach out and talk to other members of the congregation via the Church Center app. Or if you want to work on scripture memory or fasting, it is better when these practices are done in community. And the Church Center app um, has built-in communication and functionality so that you can invite one another into an opportunity for you to pray, fast, seek the Lord, and worship together and to do so um, in a way that's not so isolated. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So are y'all ready for the word? Amen. 
Um, well, we're going to be returning uh, for a while. We've been, we, we spent Advent um, looking through the book of Isaiah, then Relentless. We looked at the spiritual disciplines, but today we are going back to Luke. We are going to continue our journey through Luke, and now we are in Luke chapter 7. We made it on the other side of the Sermon on the Plain. Now we're in Luke chapter 7, verse 1. And if you would stand together in reverence for God and his word. Go look at the first 10 verses here. Luke chapter 7, verse 1 through 10. And when you have it, give me an amen. 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 And if you're still looking, it's all right. It will be on the screens for your viewing pleasure. Hear the word of the Lord. After he had finished all his sayings and the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. Now a centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. When the centurion heard about Jesus, he sent sent to him elders of the Jews, asking him to come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they pleaded with him earnestly, saying, He is worthy to have you do this for him, for he loves our nation, and he is the one who built us our synagogue. And Jesus went with them. When he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I do not presume to come to you, but say the word and let my servant be healed. For I, too, am a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another one, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. But when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him. Underline that. Jesus marveled. He was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd that followed him, said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such faith. And when those who had been sent returned to the house... They found the servant well. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we thank you and we praise you for the power of your word, God. And we thank you and we praise you for the example of this centurion, God, who exercises amazing, marvelous, uncommon, uncanny faith. Father, I pray that through the power of your word and through the power of grace, God, that as we hear your word, your word tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that you would birth amazing, marvelous, incredible faith within us to pursue after and to trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. I just want to talk to us for a few minutes from the thought, when God marvels. When God marvels. The text says that when he saw his faith, God, Jesus, marveled at him. And you know, as I looked at this passage, I began to think about uh, people who are notoriously hard to impress. And I, a couple of people came to mind. Uh, have you ever watched, anybody in here ever watched Chef Gordon Ramsay? Um, that man is easily the most unhappy man on the planet. Uh, <laughs> but he is hard to impress. I would never want to make my chicken wings for Gordon Ramsay. He, the, you know, he, he just, he, that man, he, he's hard to impress. I also started thinking about um, one of the greatest inventors in the history of the world. Uh, he's the person that's the reason why we actually got to take social media fast now. Um, a guy by the name of Steve Jobs who uh, perfected and refined of the smartphone, which was a concept before he got a hold of it, Um, but through his relentless interrogation and questioning and standards that he set for his employees, catapulted Apple to multi-trillion dollar status uh, because of his perfectionism. He is is known uh, to constantly send his employees back over and over and over and over again. They talk about how when he was making those iMacs, those multicolored iMacs that old people like us um, who had them in their schools remember, uh, they talked about how he just sat there for hours just looking at the curve and touching the curve and he sent it back over and over again until they got the curve just right on the iMac. He was 
hard to impress by his staff. I also started thinking about this guy. Y'all may know him. Uh, anybody remember Simon Cowell uh, from <laughs> America's Got Talent, American Idol? Now, look, man, I can't sing. I don't think Simon can sing. But I got good enough sense to not go on TV and try to sing in front of this guy. Uh, like, it was so funny. It'd be funny to watch because you, you, know, you had Randy Jackson, who was like a cool uncle. He's like, hey, bro, I don't think this is for you, man. You know, you had Paula Abdul, who's trying to be sweet. Ah, maybe not. It's not that good. Simon's just like, you are trash. Like, I don't know what trash men you crawled out of to bring this here. Um, but uh, this is trash. Um, and I started to think about that. And these human beings, uh, while they may be hard to impress, they actually are profoundly imperfect in themselves, right? Um, each person I name, I can tell you why they're imperfect and why I should not be spending my time trying to impress them at all. But it got me thinking as I read this, and I read that Jesus Christ marvels in the Bible of what does it take to impress God? Um, while these individuals are difficult to impress, what does it take to impress God? I, I, I began to think about it, and I said that God can't be too impressed by my wealth because he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He, he can't be too impressed by my knowledge and my wisdom because he is omni, omniscient. He knows everything. He understands everything. He crafted and created the universe as it stands. He can't be too impressed with my power because he has all power in his hands. What does it take to impress God? Now, as I start looking at this, I realize that, that there is only one way to impress God. And this centurion figured it out. This, this man who was not even Jewish figured out how to impress Jesus, and it was with his faith. What does it mean to impress God with your faith? This man, this centurion, he finds Jesus Christ in this text, and he exercises faith and trust in God. Now, I, as I started looking at this here, I, I, I realized, I was like, now, why was Jesus impressed by faith? And why, why was that so, so, so notable? I mean, he tells you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And as I began to wrestle with this, I began to see in the text that the answer is because faith is actually rare. Faith is rare in the scripture. And I said, well, Jesus, I'm going to preach to a church of several hundred people. Surely faith is common there. And he said, look again. And don't look at the church this time, Carlos. Look at yourself. Because all of us think that faith is easy. In fact, some of y'all just checked out because you said, oh, this is a sermon about faith. I must have that because I'm sitting in a church and I'm a good Christian. And let me make a delineation. I'm not talking about soteriological faith, faith that's connected to you being a Christian, being saved. I'm talking about that day-to-day -day faith, that trusting Jesus over and over again. And I would submit to you that that kind of faith is rare. Let me, let, 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 let me put it to you this way. Trusting God is easy. Trusting God is something that we can do pretty easy. We can aspire and we can assent to the, the, the intellectual claims of Jesus. Fine, Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. Fine, he's the second person of the Trinity. But let something in your life get out of control and see how well you trust God then. You see, we trust God and we trust God good until a situation hits our life that is outside of our control. And now we really got to let Jesus take the real. You see, it's easy to trust God. It's easy to have faith until we get struck with that crippling experience called fear. When we're afraid that something is going to harm us, it's going to wound us, and it's going to wound someone that we love. And all of a sudden, we want to take control of the thing. And Jesus says, I'm not asking you to assent to whether or not I'm sovereign. I'm asking, can you live in the grip of my sovereignty? 
And so I think, I just think it's, it's a little different. And so I would argue um, that when we look at this idea that faith is the way to impress God, that is not as common as we think. And he is challenging us, not just those who are maybe not Christians to place faith in Jesus, but those of us who are Christians to trust Jesus every day of our life. And child of God, that is frightening. You know, maybe it ain't frightening for you. I talk for myself. That's scary for me. And I'm going to tell you why. Because you just don't know how far Jesus is going to take anything. You, you don't. But let's just be honest. Like, this is the guy who could ask you to give your life, and he might just do it. And so Jesus be talking about, trust me. And I'm like, bro, what you going to do? What you going to do? What are we talking about? Trust you in, with regard to what? And he says everything. And I'm like, but listen, I, you know, I seem off the cuff and this and another, but y'all got to know I'm a planner. I have good plans, okay? Like I'd be thinking through like, hey, now look, granted, granted, my plans are influenced by my sinfulness. Just me. I'm just talking about me now. Influenced by my brokenness, influenced by my sinful areas, influenced by my finiteness and the fact that I'm mortal and I don't have the eternal plans and purposes of God from beyond the foundations of the world in my mind when I'm making it. Nor am I even considering other human beings often in my own plans because my plans mostly revolve around me and my desires. But that's just me, though. That ain't none of y'all. And even when I look at my own plans, I'm like, God, who are you to interrupt them? With all your sovereignty and omniscience and om omnicompetence and omnipotence, God, who are you with all your wisdom and your eternal plan that you have set out before the foundation of the world? Who are you to ruin my plans? But faith, my friends, is not as common as we think. Because God says, I want control over everything and I am willing to allow you to experience things that force you to rely on me. And so, as we look at that, we see in this text a man who is commended for, him faith, for his faith. There's only two times in the entire New Testament where Jesus is said to marvel. The one time is in the book of Mark and is actually at unbelief. Jesus marvels that he is so much Jesus, so much God, done so many miracles, he marveled that they didn't believe in who he was. And then there's the second time recorded here in Luke and in Matthew where he marvels because someone actually has faith. That tells me there are two ways to amaze Jesus. You can amaze Jesus. Now, you, this, is, this, is, this is how you don't want to do it, by the way. You don't want Jesus amazed that despite of how he has blessed you, despite of how he's ministered to you, despite of how he's delivered you, despite how he has blessed your family and healed your body, you still won't acknowledge him as Lord. He was amazed at that in Mark. But then in Luke... He is amazed because there's someone who early in his ministry, who wasn't even Jewish, who didn't even know their Bible that good, was able to look at him and see that he was the one who had the person and the power and the word to bring about deliverance and transformation in their life. And so there's the way to amaze Jesus. And this centurion does it in one of the most positive ways. And it's amazing because he is not, as I've already said, a Jewish person. This is not the likely subject, suspect here. That would be amazing Jesus with his faith. This guy is uh, most likely, um, he could have been Syrian, maybe a Roman, but definitely not Jewish. And he was a centurion. He was a part of the occupying oppressive force of the Jewish people. And so here this guy goes in the text and he is impressing Jesus. Uh, a centurion was someone, he could have been either Jewish, uh, or I'm sorry, either uh, Roman, but most likely a Syrian, but not a Jewish guy. And he is impressing the Messiah of the Jews. And as you look at 
of the text is fascinating um, because this guy isn't just a regular centurion. He's what is known as a God-fearer. And the God-fearers were Gentiles who would come in proximity to the people of Israel and would connect to the God of Israel while not converting to Judaism, but submitting themselves to the nine Noahide laws. These nine laws were the morality and teaching of the Jewish people that just says, hey, if you do these things, you can be a good Gentile and God will like you. And so this man was someone who was obedient to God but was not Jewish. But check this brother out. He is a centurion. You look at the text, and this guy has a few things going for himself. He has power. Told you. He's an he's a officer. He also has wealth. These centurions tended to be well paid. We also know that he has connections that was connected to his wealth. How many of y'all know if you're rich and got money and give it away, people will like you? That's how it works. Uh, and shoot, if you're poor and you get your money away, folks will like you. But, you know, <laughs> whoever gives away money, you will have friends. That's right. Uh, <laughs> But he gave a lot of his money, the Bible says here, that he built the, uh, the synagogue of the Jewish people. So we know he wasn't poor, and yet he also had honor because the people respected him and liked, it, liked him for it. So you got a man with power, wealth, connections, and honor, and check out what life does. It gives him something that neither his power, his connection, his wealth, or his influence could solve. And don't y'all know this is exactly how life works? Some of y'all are sitting right here and you're looking right at me and you have power and you have influence and you are doing well. Your bank account is on 12. You ain't worried about inflation, deflation, reflation because you are good either way. And yet it doesn't matter what you have and some of us on the other side of that, it doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. How many of y'all know that life has a way of handing you something that you cannot solve? You see, this centurion here, no matter how much money he had, no matter how much influence he had, no matter how big his philanthropy was, no matter how well connected he was, he could not get his servant well again. And those of us who have had issues in our body, issues in our mind, issues in our family, we know that no matter how much money you have, there are some things that wealth won't fix. That's this brother. He experiences something that is outside of his control. His beloved servant falls ill. How do I know he's beloved? Because in verse 7, in your English Bible, it's translated as servant, but in the Greek, the word is pais, which is his child. See, centurions were often people because of their travels and because of what they had to do. They often didn't have wives or families, and so their servants became particularly close and loved by them. And so it's, actually, it's translated servant in your English Bible, but the word is, this is my child. This is someone who is dear to my heart, and he, he's in this situation that his connections won't fix, his money won't fix, and only option he has is to call out to some rabbi that he's heard about doing some great exploits. And he's dealing with a situation that just can't get fixed easily. But did y'all know that that's one of the greatest graces in this text? That he did not have the resources to fix the situation? Because if he had have had the resources or the connections or the relationships to fix it, he would have never called out for Jesus. You know, let, let, me, let, me, let me bring that up real quick to 2024 because if you could fix your situation with your money, if you could fix your situation with your wisdom, if you could fix your situation with your resources, if you could fix your marriage with your internet advice, if you could fix your health with doing all these cleanses and smoothies, you would never call on Jesus. And if you never call on Jesus, you never experience the power of Jesus. You see, this brother, he experiences 
the power of Jesus because he could not fix it himself. That is precisely when we reach the end of ourselves, we reach the beginning of the power and the presence of Jesus. Jesus says that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Could it be? Pastor Mark talked about this last week, and he talked about how maybe God is trying to make a worshiper out of you, that some of the hardships and difficulties and challenges that you are experiencing, that maybe God is allowing some of them because he is trying to make a worshiper out of you. And I just want to piggyback on Pastor Mark's thought. Maybe God is trying to build some faith in you. Maybe he is letting you get to the end of yourself, the end of your money, the end of your connections, the end of your resources, so that you can learn to trust in him. And so that's what happened to this brother. He, he, he is a person who is a picture of what it means to get to the end of himself. The text says here that this brother calls out to Jesus and his faith causes Jesus to marvel. Hebrews 11, I preached on it the first Sunday in January. January, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Well, I got a couple thoughts that I want to extract from the text here and leave with you for a moment here to get this God-marveling faith. Um, and it's just a couple things, just two things here. I think there are two times when God marvels at our faith that this brother um, lays bare for us. Y'all want to know what they are before I get out of here? I, I, I'll drop them to you real quick, and then I got to head on around the canes, give me some chicken fingers. Uh, but <laughs> not going to canes. <laughs> before I start this, this fast next week. <laughs> give me some chicken wings. But uh, no. <laughs> But now here's a couple things. I believe that God marvels at our faith when we trust Christ's person instead of our own. When we trust Christ's person instead of our own. Look at your Bible. It says, now the centurion had a servant who was sick and at the point of death, who was highly valued by him. Verse 3, when the centurion heard about Jesus, look at this, he sent to him elders of the Jews asking him to come and heal his servant. That is the first act of faith in this text. Look at what he does in verse 3, when the centurion heard about Jesus. This centurion was in Capernaum, which was, the, uh, which was ground zero for Christ's ministry in Galilee. It was also the home of the synagogue where he had healed someone earlier in Luke chapter 4. This was the same synagogue that this centurion centurion paid to build. You see, this centurion heard about Christ's work because Jesus was all in that area healing people all around Capernaum and even in the synagogue that this man built. And this man heard about Jesus, but he didn't just hear about Jesus. Look at this. He sent to him the elders of the Jews and asked him to come and heal his servant. Listen, it's not rocket science faith. You're like, what? Uh, Saints, you're like, what's the point? The point is this. The first thing that you need to do is cry out to Jesus when you're in your situation. That's, that's the whole point. It ain't, it ain't it ain't geometry. It ain't calculus. When you are in a situation where you have come to the end of yourself and you don't know how you're going to get over and how you're going to make it, the first thing that you want to do is not get no crystals, not look at your horoscope, not try to manifest nothing, not look at some of the Zen meditation, but you want to cry out to Jesus. Notice in the text who he bypasses to get to Jesus. It doesn't say he called one rabbi. In fact, he just has the elders of the Jews going to do something. You all want to know why? Because he knew the difference between religious practice and power. You see, all the stuff I just named and listed, oh, it's some religious practices. There's some things that may even give you some mindfulness and bring your heart rate down. But only Jesus has the power over all the hordes of hell. And only Jesus has the power to command something that's broken to become whole. It is because Jesus has the power and is in all power that this man calls on Jesus and nobody else. 
Y'all know, yeah, we, we, we spend so much of our time with so many other things because we think that these other things can do something that Jesus can't. And at best, at very best, they just point us towards Jesus who is over all that stuff. And so this man here, he, he, he calls on Jesus. And then in verse 4, look at this. It's, it's, it's interesting. Verse 4, they, they come to Jesus. So he sends the elders of the Jews, which is wild, by the way. You don't just be sending the elders of the Jews places, like, as your messengers. But when you've been in a synagogue, you can tell a lot of people do a lot of stuff. Okay? Like, you're like, yeah, uh, well, the homie said we got to run this message real quick. You read most of the Bible, they ain't even like Jesus like that. But he built them a synagogue, so they had to go and talk to Jesus. But anyway, it's another point for another day. Verse 4. It says, when they, when they came to Jesus, they pleaded to him, uh, pleaded with him earnestly. And listen what they say about this centurion. He is worthy to have you do this for him. For he loves our nation. And he is the one who built our synagogue. They say, listen, man, he a good dude. He ain't like them other Gentiles sitting around eating bacon and pork chops and persecuting Jews. He ain't that kind of Gentile. He just eat turkey. <laughs> He'd be building us synagogues and stuff. He's cool. Jesus, he, he is worthy of you to do a thing. This, if anybody is worthy, he's worthy. But I want you to contrast that with the centurion's view of himself. Look at verse 6. When Jesus was coming, this guy sent another group of messengers. This dude had a lot of homies out here, but when you got money, you can have a lot of friends. He sent another group of friends. He says, when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him, listen to this, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Look at this. Not only am I not worthy to come under, have you come under my roof, but look at verse 7. I didn't even presume to come to you. Look at the, the, the juxtaposition of how the Jews viewed him and how he viewed himself. They said, well, he's a good man because he did this and he did that and he, he gave money and he, he, he built our synagogue and he's a, a righteous man. But this man says, hold on, wait a minute. I know I've done all these things, but this brother that I'm talking to is something different. And I think compared to him, I'm actually not worthy. You see, I, I might have given some money. I might have built some synagogues. I might have done some things, but I haven't raised anybody from the dead. I, I haven't opened any blinded eyes. I haven't caused the lame to walk. And this centurion sees himself soberly because he sees himself in the light of Christ. You see, some of us, and this ain't what the sermon is about, but I'm over here, I'm just dropping. Some of us struggle with pride and hubris because we're busy comparing ourselves to other disciples rather than comparing ourselves to Jesus. Just, that's, that's for free today. Like we, we, some of us struggle with our view of ourselves, and we see ourselves in an elevated way because this centurion, he could have said, well, I'm not like other Gentiles. I'm not like other centurions. I'm not like other oppressors of Israel's because I'm good. I'm nice and I'm kind. And that may all be true. But when you put yourself and stand yourself up next to Jesus, you will inevitably fall short of perfection. And some of us are like, yeah, we, we, I'm all that. I got all this going on and, and this going on and I got money and I'm going to pay my tithes and I fast and this and another. And that's all good. Thank God that you do it. But when you compare yourself to Jesus, you will inevitably fall short. And why does that matter? Because sometimes when we have too high a view of ourselves, we have an inflated view of what our resources can do and don't call out to God for what we need him to do. You see, some of us, and I learned this about me. I, I've been going through counseling. I learned that I wasn't even praying and talking to God, honestly, which is insane. Which is crazy considering that I talk about him every week. And I just learned, I kept digging, that sometimes we can think, God, I got it. God, I don't really need, I need you to handle this stuff. But God, I got this stuff. God, I need you to handle this big stuff. But I got this stuff. 
You know, there's a story about uh, Dwight L. Moody, and uh, he's a famous evangelist of another era, but he was talking about how he was preaching, and at the end, a lady came to talk to him um, after one of the services, and she came up to D.L. Moody, and she said, he would preach a sermon on prayer, and she said, well, Brother Moody, I, I pray, I commit the big stuff to God, and the, the little stuff I handle myself. I, I give God all the big things, and I deal with the little things. And they say, Brother Moody looked at this woman and said, ma'am, don't you know all your problems are little to God? And some of us, we are actually not giving Jesus everything that we need to give to Jesus. We've given him the big stuff and we think we got the little stuff, but all the stuff is little to God. And because we have an inflated view of ourselves, we actually think that things that are too big for us are within our control. And so... What we see here is that this brother has a sober view of himself, but it's precisely because he has such a high view of Christ. And child of God, I want to challenge you today to make sure that you are seeing everything in light of Christ's glory, of his strength, of his power, that his person is infinitely more beautiful, more powerful, more omnipotent, stronger than you can get your mind around so that you can see yourself and your problems in the light of Christ. You know, I think it's important that we see who we are and where we are and see the beauty of Christ's person uh, because here's the reality. We want to make sure that we're giving it to Jesus. If the centurion was actually stuck on himself, he wouldn't have gave it to Jesus. And we got to stop wrestling because Jesus is saying, listen, I want to take these burdens for you. I want to take all these things because the truth of the matter is the centurion realized what was true. I'm not worthy. I know what these people say about me. I know what the community say about me. I know these people think I'm all that, but I actually know the truth. And y'all want to know what's one of the most grace-filled sentences in this entire passage? Look at it. It says in verse 5 here, it actually says, or verse 6, it says, Jesus, knowing that the guy actually wasn't worthy, knowing that the guy actually was sinful, knowing the guy actually was broken, look, verse 6, Jesus went with them. Do y'all see that? The centurion, even though the Jews thought that this guy was all that, Jesus knew the whole time that, what y'all talking about him being worthy? Ain't nobody worthy of my grace. Ain't nobody worthy of my kindness. Nobody is worthy of me using my dunamis, my power, my, my ability to command creation. There is no amount of money, no amount of goodness, no amount of holiness that will make you stand before me and demand anything. And yet Jesus went anyway. And that's good news for those of us, which is all of us, who are actually unworthy. Because none of us are worthy of Christ's grace. None of us deserve Christ's goodness. None of us deserve Christ to answer prayer. And yet the scripture says that all of us, because of the finished work of Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus, can come boldly to the throne of grace. You see, Jesus, he draws close to this brother who is actually unworthy. And it's the man's humility that helped him to get there. But look at this. I told you I only got a couple things. We see Jesus move towards this man in unworthiness. And it's because he was marveled that this man trusted in Christ's person instead of his own person. But there's other thing I got to share with you. That this brother trusted in Christ's power instead of his own power. And if we want God to marvel, we not only need to trust Christ's person instead of our own person, but we need to trust Christ's power instead of our own power. Look at this in verse 7. He says, say the word. And my servant will be healed. Look, he, he starts to make a case for why Jesus had the power to do what he did. Look at him in verse 8. He says, listen, I, I'm a man in authority and under authority. 
I know what authority looks like. You know, he was a centurion. A centurion, he was literally right in the middle. They had the decurion, which was over a, a group of 10. And then they had this other group um, who was also known as the Chiliarch, who was over a group of 1,000. He was right in the middle. He says, I'm in authority. I got some people that I command. And then I'm, oh, I got authority over me and folks who command me. He said, I know how authority works. He said, I got some authority here um, that is delegated from Caesar, and I can tell people to do things. And on the strength of my authority, things can happen. But check this out. He says, I have authority, and I know what authority is, in that any time I speak a word, that whatever I decree has to happen, check this out, whether I am there or not. And so this man says, Jesus, Jesus, you can stay right where you are because I understand your authority. I understand that whether you say it from here, whether you say it from heaven, whether you say it from Timbuktu, because you have all power in heaven and earth, whatever you say has to go. So he says, just speak the word. And child of God, I want to share with you today that you may feel like I don't know where Christ is and I don't know where he is in this situation, but I'm here to tell you whether you can sense Christ or not, all you need is one word from the Lord to change every situation in your life. All you need is him to send your word. All you need is one word because his word is sharper than any two-edged sword. His word is the one thing that can bring healing, that can bring deliverance, that can bring freedom, that can bring restoration to every situation of your life. All you need is one word from Jesus. Y'all understand that the word of God is the one thing. When we see the word of God operating in scripture, y'all ever read Genesis chapter one, where you see at the word of Christ that all of a sudden he says, let there be light and electrons and photons strain into existence where there were none because of the power of his word. At the power of his word, we see rivers begin to flow and nebula begin to strain into existence at the power of his word. If God can do all that with the power of his word, surely he can speak to your wayward child and bring them back into, into the fold. Surely they can speak, he can speak to your body and regulate every cell in your body. Surely he can speak to your mental health and bring health to your mind. Surely he can speak into your marriage and bring reconciliation and healing where you thought it was over. At the power of Christ's word, God's word can bring healing to every aspect of your being. And he says, all you got to do is trust. And so Jesus marvels at this man. He, he, he absolutely marvels. He says, this brother is off the chain. Because at this point, even his disciples, we're early in the text. At this point, the disciples don't even know, don't even fully understand, don't even fully grasp who he is. And yet, this non-Jewish centurion, this non-Jewish soldier understands the power of the person of Jesus, that he really is the divine God-man, that he really is the one who is manifesting the power and the presence of Christ and the power and the presence of God right in their midst. And this man also understands that this power transcends anything he has ever seen. And so Jesus, he marvels because he says, how do you get it when so many others don't? And as I looked at this text and I began to think about us and I began to think at our hesitancy to trust him, I began to realize that God was saying, child of God, what are you actually afraid of? Why are you afraid to trust me? Why, why do you think that your resources, your power, your ability is greater than my own. 
I invite you to trust me. I invite you to marvel at me. I invite you to marvel at my glory so that you can allow me to marvel at your trust in my ability. Because listen, at the end of the day, if you could have fixed it, you would have fixed it already. Some of us, some of us don't, re, re, uh, don't connect with the centurion because we're like, listen, we ain't got no power, no influence, no money, no nothing. And Jesus says it don't matter whether you have it or whether you don't, because none of it impresses me. What impresses me, what will move me is your ability to trust me when you come to the end of yourself. And let's just be honest, child of God. If you could have fixed it, you would have. You are at the end of yourself. And Jesus says, that's great, because where your strength ends, that's exactly where my miraculous power starts. And so I want to invite all of us today. Some of us need to marvel God with just putting faith in Jesus. And just saying, listen, God, I, I trust you. I, I, I'm done fighting. I'm done running. I'm done resisting. Jesus says, trust me. I know it's frightening. And it's frightening because you're out of control. But I promise you my plan is greater. And many of us, we're already in the faith. And we trust Jesus with our salvation. But boy, that day-to-day -day, or that situation that we're trying to fix, that situation that we are hanging on to, we ain't gave them that yet. And he says, let me take it. I know you won't be able to control it, but you ain't did a good job controlling it anyway. If we're honest, let me have it. And then you can marvel at my person and power. And I can marvel at your willingness to trust me. Let me pray for us. God, we pray and we ask for marvelous faith. Faith that you marvel at. God, I'm grateful for this centurion. Father, I pray that through the preaching of your word that you would birth this type of faith in each and every person here. Father, help us to give up control, to give up trying to hold on to these things ourselves. God, our grip is too weak. Father, allow us to give it to you and have the faith that you as God in the flesh marvels at. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we get ready to go, we're going to worship a little more. We're going to sing a little bit. Um, and there'll be brothers and sisters down here who can pray with you. If you need to lay down some burdens, if you need somebody to touch and agree with you, if you're tired of trying to hold and carry a situation that is outside of your control, come and give it to Jesus. He's got all power in his hands. He says, take my yoke. And learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The altar will be open if you need prayer for any reason. Our brothers and sisters will be here to touch and agree with you. God bless. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray this message has impacted you in a meaningful way. If you want to know more about how Jesus can change your life, we would love to connect with you further. Send an email to hello at refreshcommunity.church or come visit us at 829 North Hanley Road in University City, Missouri. Be sure to subscribe and share the podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening and see you next time.